welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Melissa Jagernoth. Melissa is the owner and creative genius behind Onesinality, an adjustable onesie. The birth of her daughter and feeling unprepared as a first-time parent inspired her to take the modern-day onesie and give it a twist. The goal is for Onesinality to be a staple product for all parents to have in their home for their bundle of joy. Melissa believes every baby is unique and should have clothing to accommodate their uniqueness. Melissa was born in the Caribbean West Indies on the island of Trinidad and Tobago and raised in Queens, New York. She received her undergraduate degree in finance from St. John's University and her MBA from Wake Forest University. She currently lives in Charlotte, North Carolina, where she is watching her inspiration behind onesinality, her daughter, grow up right before her eyes. When Melissa is not dedicating time to growing onesinality, she is working for an organization that builds affordable housing for low-income families, and she is traveling and creating memories with her family. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you this afternoon? I am well, Tess. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for coming on the show, um, and I'm really excited to have you. So let's get started. Um, so you were born in Trinidad, Tobago, um, but your parents relocated your whole family to the U.S. and settled in Queens. Um, can you tell me what made them decide to leave Trinidad, Tobago? Well, it, it was definitely to give us, their, their children, a really good start, a, mm. a good foundation. Um, you know, Trinidad is a beautiful country. And, you know, I guess growing up at that point in time, a lot of the avenues would have been, you know, Melissa would be a housewife raising mm. kids. And they wanted me to explore, I guess, more of a, a, a broader range of opportunities for myself. If I wanted to do that, that was fine. Mm-hmm. But they wanted me to have the option to pursue, you know, education and other other avenues for myself. Okay. Um, do they still have family in Trinidad, Tobago? You, do you still have family back there? I do. I definitely have my aunts and my uncles and cousins, and I, I try to visit them. Um, the last time I was there was probably three years ago before the pandemic hit, but oh, yeah, wow. I definitely have family there. I miss them dearly. Oh, okay. Um, so what was it like for you growing up in Queens? And uh, why Queens? <laughs> and can you share? So, and can you share with me some of your fond memories? Growing up in, well, before my mother made the decision to relocate us there, her siblings had already made the decision for themselves. So we already had um, some of her siblings um, creating roots in mm-hmm. Queens. Uh-huh. So it was kind of a seamless transition for us. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, some of my memories were just being, you know, we, we grew up very humble. Um, one bedroom, everyone kind of shared everything. And it was very close-knit. And um, that's the beautiful thing about coming to another country with your family is that you truly become a tribe. Mm-hmm, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, you truly become dependent on each other. So I grew up very close with my relatives. So oh. um, fond memories would be holidays and, you know, still eating the Caribbean food, but being oh. in, in New York and uh-huh. still enjoying and embracing my culture, even though I was in a different country. Oh, cool. 
Okay. And so I read that your mom used to do little things for you and your brother when you were young that made an impact on you. Can you share some of that with me? My mother was super hardworking. Mm. Um, My mother literally put me through college when I got my undergrad, and I had minimal student debt. Mm. She worked hard to make sure that she gave us the best footing right out the gate, as best as she could. And Mm. it was hard. There were long days for her where Mm. she would have to wake up whether it's three in the morning to get to work two hours away wow. and then take another two hour bus ride back home, mm. you know? So, so there were sacrifices that were made, but they were never in vain. Mm. She was super selfless. Wow. And, um, I, I admire that. I didn't recognize it as a child, mm-hmm. but as a mother myself, right. I now see it. It's super impactful for me. Okay. Wow. So can you also share the story with me of how you got your first car? <laughs> so we didn't, like I said, my mom was taking the bus uh-huh. two to three hours to get to work. Right. So the moment I was able to drive, mm-hmm. I I knew that she couldn't sustain that that kind of routine for a long time. So I took it upon myself to work I worked three jobs one summer oh, wow. <laughs> and I saved every penny I didn't splurge I just laser focused and I ended up buying whatever car I could get my hands on mm. to avoid you know, just to, to help out as best as I could at, at that age <laughs> Wow, that's really incredible. Um, and that, what a way to give back to your mom who had always sacrificed for you and your brother, right? That's oh, really yeah, incredible. absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a small gesture for all that she has done, but um, she deserves, I mean, and most parents do, but, and she, you know, I'm biased. She definitely deserves it. Everything I can possibly give her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love that. So so you went to St. John's University in New York and received your undergraduate degree in finance. Then you went and got your MBA from Wake Forest University in North Carolina. Um, so why were you drawn to finance and business? So ironically, when I first enrolled at St. John's University, I had the desire to be a psychiatrist. Really? So I <laughs> okay. I, like, I really studied. I took a few courses, and I realized I don't know if this is for me. And I was already a year and a half in, mm. so I just took the bullet and said, "What would be the next best transition for me?" So that it wasn't a waste, for lack of a better word. Like I didn't want to put myself behind on my timeline to graduate. Mm-hmm. So that the next seamless transition would have been finance and I and I did it and I did well wow so That's I got amazing. lucky <laughs> well okay and did you work in the financial industry after getting your MBA ironically enough um a 9-11 had happened not oh. too long before I graduated so when I graduated I ended up working retail and I struggled to find a job within the financial field mm. so I went on you know the good old internet and what's the second biggest banking hub behind New York and at that point in time it was Charlotte mm-hmm. and I said okay let me let me pack up my car and just what do I have to do let me just try it really so I 
rolled down and <laughs> I didn't even end up working at the banks. I actually <laughs> ended up working in affordable housing. Oh, wow. And 20 years later, I'm still in that same industry. So huh. everything happens for a reason. I'm, I'm such a believer of that. And that wow. was my path. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so uh, th- uh, so this happened around 9-11, you said, when you went and then you found work in Charlotte, of all places. Now, I mean, did you know anyone in Charlotte? I did. At, okay. the, at, the, at that point in time, um, the love of my life lived here. Ah. He was impacted by Charlotte, okay. and um, it was a seamless transition for me to, to try it. Okay. So, okay. so, yeah, well, I didn't know. <laughs> okay, well, Melissa, I'm glad because I was just like, wait, she packed up her whole life to go to Charlotte, and I'm like, did she know someone? Did she was like, I because yeah, I'm picturing this this twenty something year old, like, okay, well, you know what? There's a job over there. Maybe I can do that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm such an analytical person that sometimes I think with my mind before I think with my heart, and mm. if it didn't make sense to me, it would have been a crossroads for me at that point in time. Okay. So it wasn't. It wasn't the driving force mm-hmm. behind making that decision. Like, I, I grew up so humble that mm. I didn't want that to be my path forever. I did yeah. want to put myself and align myself in a position that I can be a better person. And, and if I did have children, right. be able to afford them, you know, the American dream and, mm-hmm. and all the things that I didn't necessarily have right. given to me growing up. So. It wasn't necessarily an easy choice for me, and I mm-hmm. struggled making that choice okay. for about two years before I graduated from college to know that was something I wanted to do. Wow. So moving from Queens, I mean, after you got your degrees, um, moving from Queens to North Carolina, how did your perception of the world change? I mean, you know, and, and did it change? It did, because... When I moved to Charlotte, I wasn't necessarily acclimated to the, this lifestyle. It's a very different city from mm-hmm. from New York twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. It you know it was a different pace. It took three years for me to adjust mm-hmm. and be able to feel comfortable. Yeah. And, until then, I just I, I felt like a fish out of water trying to find my footing. Mm-hmm. Very young, trying to find you know figure out my place in this world. I really didn't have you know, a guidance, I was truly trial by error. So it, it took a while to adjust to this pace. But now there's no going back. I'm mm-hmm. so, I, I love it here. Right, yeah. <laughs> for any other city. I love Charlotte. Wow. Okay, it's funny that you say that because I am a New Yorker as well, uh, transferred to Virginia Beach about three years ago. So I still call myself a New Yorker. <laughs> you know, I still, like, see myself as a New Yorker. Um, right. And, you know, I live here, and I love where I live now, but I do miss it. I do miss, I mean, I still have family and friends there. Um, right. So it's hard to, like you said, the transition is still hard, you know, because I've been here almost three years, and I still, like, um, when people ask me, it's like, oh, where are you from? I'm New York. No, wait. <laughs> you know, it's like, hold on. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's not an easy thing to do, especially when you've been so 
since you grew up there, you know, and I pretty much grew up there as well. So it takes a lot to to take someone from where they've lived of where, where they've lived in all their lives to then, you know, like change, you know, the way or change how they look at where they're right. living now, right? So, but uh, that's really interesting. Um, okay, so you are the founder of Onesinality. Can you tell I me, did. I love that. What can you tell me about Onesinality and what prompted you to create it? Onesinality was birth with no pun intended <laughs> from the birth of my daughter. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's Onesinality in itself is an adjustable onesie for newborns to children up to 18 months. Okay. And when I was pregnant with my daughter, everyone was, the doctors, everyone was like, you're either having twins or you're <laughs> going to have a 10-pound baby. Oh, my I gosh. I carried heavy. Uh-huh. And in the, the moment my water broke, my stomach began to flatten hmm. instantly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I only fluid. I was only water. And when she was born, she was five pounds, eight ounces. Wow. I was ready. I, I didn't have any clothing. I, oh I was gosh. not prepared. For, you know, as a new mom, you have your maternity shoot, you have your, mm-hmm. your baby pictures, her dress didn't fit, everything just felt like, I felt like a panic, like, mm-hmm. I'm not ready for this, what, mm-hmm. you know, it, the one thing that I thought I was ready for, and I, it just, it just created a panic in me, mm-hmm. and I was just like, why don't they make clothing that are just for babies? Mm-hmm. Babies are unique, just like us, mm-hmm. we have belts, we have you know, clothes with draw straps and mm-hmm. Velcro. And I'm like, they don't make this stuff for babies. Babies aren't one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And I just saw something that was lacking in the market. And I spent the next couple of years refining a design for an adjustable onesie that I thought was safe and functional mm-hmm. and would, would just be perfect for these types of situations. And not only do you have these types of situations where you have a child born maybe larger or smaller than you anticipated, but what about those pesky growth spurts mm-hmm. that you didn't factor? <laughs> or, you know, you have the, and then none of the onesies closed, so now you have the baby walking around with open onesies, <laughs> and it looks uncomfortable, and yeah. it's a safety hazard, and, mm-hmm. you know, all of this other stuff. So that's how onesinality was first. <laughs> mm, I love that. And it's funny you were saying that because I I had a preemie and my daughter was um, four pounds, eight ounces. So when she came out, I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> it was like none of the clothes that I had for her, like you said, fit. And I'm like, now what? <laughs> you know, it's like, all right. But it was, it was definitely, you know, like as a new mom, you're like, you know, panicking like oh my gosh what am I going to put this child in <laughs> you know but exactly. uh, yeah so exactly. man I wish I had I had that when she was born 23 years ago that would have been amazing wow. I know I, I know same here <laughs> oh my gosh and so what was your aha moment when you realized you know this was something I could do not just for my daughter but for others I wouldn't necessarily say I had an aha moment. I mm-hmm. think my 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 onesinality was something that I thought of the moment Caitlin was born. Mm. And I worked on it being, you know, 
a mother working, getting my MBA. So it was one of those things that I knew I wanted to pursue, but life always seemed to put its monkey wrench in it. Mm -hmm. So it was something that I rolled out over the course of years. Mm -hmm. I did it at my own pace. Mm -hmm. I perfected the design. It's so ironic when I look at my memory box for onesnality, how many different designs and, and, and different prototypes and, and to see where I started to where I ended up is phenomenal in my mind. Mm. But it was something that I knew I wanted to do because the moment that my daughter was born and I felt what I felt, I didn't want anyone else to feel that way. That's so awesome. it was, I had it in my mind, this is something you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You just have to figure out how. Right. And it took time to figure out that piece. Okay. So, um, so going, well, so did you, as a, as a, an entrepreneur, as a mom entrepreneur and a female entrepreneur, did you ever experience any bias when you decided to create your company? And how did you handle it if you did? Uh, any bias? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think that the, the one time or the time that I did experience bias was when I was looking for my manufacturer. Really? That by far was the hardest part. Getting my patent was super easy. Huh. Finding the manufacturer was where I felt like, I don't know if I can make this happen. How um, so? A lot of the manufacturers were male representatives. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when I would walk in the door with my, with my item, they were not knowledgeable or relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes... Mm-hmm. They would actually try to steer me in a different direction. If you're going to do something with babies, why don't I had one guy actually tell me, you should just make burritos, that blankets that look like burritos. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? (laughs) Yes. So it wasn't, that was, for me, a point where I just, I didn't know if it was because I was younger or a woman or Mm -hmm. minority or, you know, I, I didn't know what was driving these types of conversations because Mm -hmm. I would have another manufacturer representative tell me in order to pursue this, you'll have to buy all the equipment, but you don't own the equipment. So I didn't, I didn't know if it was just them making it more difficult Mm -hmm. or what it truly was. And I learned that it was them making it more difficult because I ended up aligning myself with great partners later on. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, you know when it's right yeah. when you're able to align yourself with people that are just as excited for your product mm-hmm. as you are. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just curious because I'm like, you know, I mean, it's hard for a lot of women, especially to like, you know, get into this whole business of being an entrepreneur um, and, you know, and being to, being seen uh, um, as, you know, someone who is serious about their business, you know. So, like you said, right. it could be uh, because of your being a woman, your being a mom, um, or not, or, or even, you know, that you were not, um, I, I don't know, the, the, <laughs> I think the right person for it, or, or because you were a woman, that pretty much, you know, so there's this bias about it. So I, I was curious to see, you know, if you had, you know, negative feedback or like, you know, like you said, conversa- different conversations about it. So that's really interesting. Um, and so 
having those conversations, did you do you think that having your experience in finance and business help you um, establish your business, um, you know, in the long run? I, I believe that it helped. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel like it gave me the proper foundation to be able to assess things from an analytical perspective, a number perspective, as I was working through my process. Mm. Um, I don't feel that having that background would stop someone from, or not having that background would prevent someone from being successful. Mm-hmm. I just think it helps bridges a learning curve or a gap. Yes. Um, I think you're, you're able to be more attuned to certain things or you're able to look for certain things a little bit faster, mm-hmm. but you would eventually get there. But sometimes, even in the business world, everything that you do requires analysis, yep. and there's a risk. And being an entrepreneur, you're going to learn those skill sets one way or the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Huh. Okay. And so can you think of a time when you thought you needed to do something that would affect your life and others? Oh, absolutely. It would definitely be the onesanality, being able to give parents the assist. Mm-hmm. I mean, we live in a world where everything comes at us fast, and we sometimes have to either be overly prepared for the unknowns, mm-hmm. what if, mm-hmm. and I felt as if, you know, having products that not only merge functionality and also everyday life together so that you're always prepared was mm-hmm. pretty important. Yeah. And then my goal is not only to stop with adjustable onesies. Mm-hmm. I would I would love to roll out products where I marry functionality, everyday items for children, so that we I have an array of products that can help um, parents one mm. day. Oh, I love that! I love that idea. I love that goal. Um, so you mentioned before that you're um, also working with affordable housing. How is that, and and what is your role there? So I'm actually an asset manager for a tax credit syndicator, and I know this sounds like a lot of <laughs> what in the world you say. Yeah. So essentially, we help build affordable housing. We create partnerships with local developers, mm-hmm. and we help with the design, the creating creating the project or the soon-to-be home for potential low-income families oh. from conception all the way to reality. Wow. And I manage that piece. I'm sorry, um, and, and, you're, and you're what in that piece? I manage that piece. Oh. I manage the making it happen from conception all the way to reality. That's amazing. And how did you get involved I, with that? I actually fell into it. So when I moved to Charlotte... Um, an HR recruiter recognized my St. John's University, and he was, he's such a fan of the Red Storm and their basketball team. He was like, I don't think I ever for an interview. And he, you know, what gravitated him about my resume was the fact that I had a finance, mm. a finance, a green finance, and, and, and a minor in psychology because I did have all those courses I was able to minor in psychology mm-hmm. and he, he thought that was a very interesting converse, um, combination and he wanted to explore that a little bit more and he ironically worked with the local housing authority here mm. and retired and I fell into the business wow 
Look at that, right? And it's funny when you do <laughs> When you least expect it, it's like it, it somehow finds you. That's really cool. I know. I agree. So in a way, like that, you know, you're helping design and and um, basically, like from start to finish, um, design these homes for low-income families. And you're kind of doing the same for, but for babies, you know, you're, you're making it um, easy for, for people to, like, not to be in, in a situation where they're safe, right. right? Right. I never actually thought of it that way, but you are so right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when you look at it, I mean, your, your, your goal of making one's analogy was to make sure that your baby and other babies would be comfortable and not have to worry about, you know, like whether it fits or not. And the same, I think, would be going for, for affordable housing because you are making it possible for these families to live right. in comfort, to at least not have to worry about where they're going to be living. So No, it's... It's a beautiful thing, especially in my industry, and just knowing that there's a social component to what I do day in and day out. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I visit these sites, and I see these families that are on their way to self-sufficiency or even home ownership because of the opportunities that yeah. affordable housing was able to provide. It's super impactful for you know most communities, and it has a generational impact mm-hmm. because now other mothers and fathers are able to you know, provide for their children and yeah. be able to give them, you know, another yeah. avenue to explore when it comes to having, you know, better resources, access right. to better schools and, mm-hmm. you know, other things like that. So it, it, it is super phenomenal to be able to be a part of that. That's really amazing. So do you find that with the involvement you have with this, company or I guess this organization, do you find that it's mostly um, women or, or single families um, or single parent households that are that you're that you're housing or is it a, is it really equally distributed? I, I want to say it's equally distributed because you do have young professionals that mm. are also utilizing affordable housing. I mean we live in a time where the cost of living is higher. There's inflation. There's other things that they are being impacted by where everyday items are harder to access. Mm -hmm. For example, I went out on site visits. Like, I do have to visit the properties, and I have one-on-ones with the residents. They stop me, and they thank me, and Mm -hmm. they explain to me what their circumstances are. Like, some people are going to school full-time and working part-time, and, mm-hmm. and they're not able to live at home for whatever the reasons are, right. and they utilize the affordable housing as a vehicle to help them achieve self-sufficiency uh-huh. and to achieve their own personal goals. I love that. It's funny, I never thought of it as um, in that respect, you know, um, and, you know, it's wonderful to see that, you know, it's wonderful to see that this this is, a, is actually... Um, enabling them to create the kind of goals that they want and pursue them. So that's really cool. I love that. Um, so, so is there someone or people you would credit for where you are now? I, it, you know, it takes a village and no one comes into your life by mistake. Mm. And I think that from 
all of the moms, when I had my prototypes, when I would sit out at the YMCA and say, hey, do you have to, you know, to my PR person that recommended me to you or mm-hmm. even my my web designer that recommended me to my photographer. I think it's everything falls into place the way that they are meant to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't have one person. I have a village. Mm-hmm. And I am thankful for my village because if it wasn't for them, there, there probably would have been delays in my process mm-hmm. or delays in my progress. Okay. Wow. Okay. So, Melissa, going forward, um, what are your personal goals or is there something you haven't yet done that you would like to accomplish? I definitely would love to be a staple product in every home that has children in it, Mm -hmm. whether it's with my onesies or any of my ideas that I still have that I'm mulling over that I would love to one day roll out. Mm -hmm. Um, I I want to be in the Targets and the Walmarts. I I don't want to just be online and I want to expand and, you know, onesinality be something that, when you hear the name, you automatically, there's brand recognition behind it. Right. You know, and that's, that's from a business perspective. But for me personally, I am an, I am a traveler. Mm-hmm. I one day want to see this world and places that I haven't explored. And I'm, I'm one of those that will go on Pinterest and create a vision board of places I want to see. And I, I, I just, the world is such a beautiful place and I want to see it all as soon as possible. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, you know, now that things have opened up, you know, hopefully uh-huh. you'll get that you'll you'll get that opportunity um, and be able to, you know, show, you know, other countries what you've designed and all the other, um, I guess, all the other um, things that you want to accomplish or any other initiatives that you want to do, you know, to different countries. That would be awesome. So, and so, um, if anyone wanted to know more about one's analogy, how would they go about it? They can definitely find us and reach contact us online at www.onesanality.com. We do have an Instagram page and a Facebook page with the um, handle as one's analogy, so it's super easy. Um, we strive to connect with our clients within 24 hours, so I'm super accessible, um, and, I, and I love it. I love connecting with our clients and our customers, uh, and I, I embrace it, whether it's entrepreneurial questions or questions in general about the products or anything. Mm. I'm an open book. I love it. <laughs> I, I embrace it. I love it. Aww. And so what are your goals for the community that you're involved in? I'm sorry? What are, the, what are your goals for the community you're involved in? Whether it's what are, the, what are your goals for the community you're involved in, whether it's one's analogy or the affordable housing community you're involved with. I mean, just to have an impact. I mean, whatever it is that I am involved in, I want to make sure that I left it better than I found it. Hmm. I mean, that's super important. It's it's one thing to be a placeholder in anything that you commit to, but it's another to have an, a value add. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. in my communities, I want to make sure that everyone has access to affordable housing mm-hmm. and they're not struggling. They're not overhoused, they're not underhoused, and their their homes are sanitary and healthy and they're safe. 
With right. regard to onesality, I took the same approach. Mm-hmm. Onesality, all of my onesies were tested. Hmm. It went through vigorous testing. They're certified. I went through a patent process. I made sure we vetted the design. I made sure that every child that goes in it would feel comfortable with the, with the materials that we use. We thought of, I, I really did try to think of everything when it came to rolling out that product because mm-hmm. I did want it to be impactful to any, any parent that decided they wanted to use my brand. I love that. Okay. So what does the future look like for Melissa? Oh, hopefully one day being the Rihanna of onesies. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> when I when I read that, I was like, wow, Rihanna of onesies. It's really cool. I admire her. And mm-hmm. when you really think about it, you know, she was born in, in, in the West Indies, similar to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she self-made. Mm-hmm. She really did work to achieve everything that yeah. she has right now. Yeah. It wasn't handed to her. Mm-hmm. And I I think that I, I have the potential to be the Rihanna of, of Onesie. So I'm going to speak it into existence. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So is there anything you would like to say to my listeners? Um, never take no for an answer. Always mm-hmm. pursue what you feel is right because sometimes no's are redirections to yeses. Hmm. You know, Align yourself with like-minded individuals that believe in your product just as much as you believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. And never give up. You mm-hmm. know, make sure that you exhaust all avenues before you make the decision to just walk away. And sometimes it's just a pause in your in your journey and not necessarily a, a closed door. Right. I love that. That's beautiful. So if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would it be? I wish I did not spin my wheels and, and get hung up on fear. Hmm. Um, I really did allow fear of failure to, to make my journey longer than it has to be. It took years for me to get over the fear of the failure before I decided whether I fail or not, at least I have to try. Mm-hmm. And that's super important. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of entrepreneurs don't talk about that, but there is such a, mental component to rolling out a product that you that you're not really prepared for and sometimes it's you versus you mm-hmm. that you versus you mentality right you know so i i really wish i didn't allow fear to paralyze me at some points in my journey and 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 wasted years unnecessarily because i was afraid of failure mm. huh, that's really interesting and you know it's funny because when you spoke about your mom before, you know, and how hard she worked and how, you know, for her, it was like, you know what, she may have had fears, but she still went right. for it, right? And right. it's really interesting that for you, it still took a moment for you to realize, nope, you know, we just keep going. So, right. but that's really cool, though, that, you know, that at the end of the day, you did you did it. You were able to say, okay, nope, so I, I have to do this. Let me do this. And here it is, you know, and it's doing really well. Um, and you really should, you know, it, it's in a way, it, it's it's a way of, of giving back to what your mom started, right? So right. that's really cool. You see, 
entrepreneurship doesn't have a roadmap. So you're truly relying on faith, your abilities, and, you know, all of your 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 pre-work, mm-hmm. all of the work that you've done in advance to help you through the process and everything that you learn along the way. Right. And for me, I'm so analytical sometimes that that gets in the way because if I can't always see it, mm-hmm. then have to rely on faith. Ah. So you have to use both. Yes. And again, I think it's something that we don't necessarily talk about when we're, you know, having entrepreneurial endeavors. Right. But it's something that I always bring up when I have the opportunity because sometimes a lot of people have great ideas, but it's fear that's holding them back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, fear within themselves and fear of how people right. will react to it as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, oh, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you listen to your own voice. So that's awesome. And so, my last question is: If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I think I would I would echo the same tune. Would be you know you have to believe in yourself as much as you believe in your product, mm. and you have to believe in your abilities because. Whatever it is that I usually put my mind to, mm-hmm. I get it done. It's yeah. just a matter of mentally preparing myself. I would tell myself that, you know, you're going to face a lot of obstacles, but you are strong, you're brave, and you have the abilities in you. So mm-hmm. don't waver. Yeah, that's great. I love that message. Well, Melissa, thank you for sharing your story and your life with me. And um, good luck with Wands Anality and all the other designs and initiatives that you're going to be putting into place to be the next Rihanna of onesies <laughs> or Wands Anality. Um, and, you know, thank you for sharing your, um, your life with me because it's so, um, it's so easy to just, you know, like say, well, you know, it's like it'll get done sometime. But, you know, as an entrepreneur, like you said, you constantly have to, like, believe that it's going to happen. And it once it happens, to keep going, right? So I love that. And so thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. This, is, this has been great. And I appreciate you so much. Well, thank you. Well, I love that, and and thank you for for uh, coming on. And please keep po- keep keep me posted with um, whatever it, all the other initiatives that you have in store. And uh, with that, I will say have a good day, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Melissa Jagernoth on RevWoman.com. Thank you for listening, and I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. Just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman.